Hello, and welcome to the Homeschooling and Loving It podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, your friend at homeschool.com and homeschool mom of six. Join us as we keep it real and chat about the ups and downs of this amazing adventure we call the homeschool life. So grab a cup of your warm favorite and a comfy chair and let's get started. Hello and welcome. I'm Jamie, homeschool mom of six and editor over at homeschool.com. And we've recently been doing a series interviewing experts in various areas of homeschooling and education in order to help us as parent teachers to find that inspiration that we need and to improve our understanding because, you know, it's true that education starts with ourselves. And so as we learn and we grow, we can be better parent teachers for our children. And so that is what we hope this series and these videos will do for you today. And so now before we get started, I'd like to introduce our guest. And today we have Elizabeth Urbanowitz. Did I say that correctly? You did. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) Elizabeth was with us today from Foundation Worldview, and she's going to share about how we can help our children build a foundation of truth that will help them reason through the big questions that life often brings. And so I'm just going to read this snippet about Elizabeth because I don't want to get anything wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Elizabeth Urbanowitz is a follower of Jesus who is passionate about equipping kids to understand the truth of the Christian worldview. Elizabeth holds a BS in elementary education from Gordon College, an MSED in education from Northern Illinois University, and an MA in Christian apologetics from Biola University. Elizabeth spent the first decade of her professional career teaching elementary students at a Christian school. Elizabeth now works full-time on developing worldview and apologetics resources for children, and her goal is to prepare the next generation to be lifelong disciples of Jesus who understand the truth of the Christian worldview. And I really love your bio because that is, it is so important in this day and age. Mm -hmm. Thrilled to have you with us today, Elizabeth. Oh, thanks so much for having me on, Jamie. I'm so excited to be with you today. I'm excited today that we're talking about these subjects. We're talking about worldview. We're talking about critical thinking, child training. I still have children at home and even I have one grandchild now. And so I have ongoing concerns as a parent and we can see overwhelming influences. They're continually challenging the foundations of our children's faith. And, you know, really not just our children's faith but teens, adults, right? just kind of to lead into our subject. I know for the most part, we as humans tend to want to know why. And so when we simply just teach our children those principles uh, without the why, we kind of rob them of understanding. I always think of Proverbs 14, 6. It says in the latter part of verse 6, that knowledge is easy to him that understand it. And so I feel like it really applies in this idea of defending our faith and our worldview. Can you share uh, your thoughts as to how we can make sure we are training our children with understanding and how we can combat this issue? 
Yes, absolutely. That's such a great question. And obviously one that I'm passionate about. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, truth never changes. God never changes. His word never changes. The thing that does change is the culture around us. And so if we want to raise our children to faithfully seek and serve Jesus all the days of their lives, we have to recognize the culture in which they're being raised. Now, sometimes with homeschooling, this can feel a little bit more complicated because it's like, well, our children are not in the world quite as much as children, you know, who are attending public school or even those who are attending Christian school. And so there's great benefit to that. You know, there's such incredible benefit that we can be the ones who are influencing our children more than anyone else. And homeschooling, as you know, Jamie is not for the faint of heart, you know, that it's a big job. It's an overwhelming job, but there's such great benefits to it. And one thing we have to recognize is that this world in which our children are growing up that the vast amount of information that they're presented with is something that's so different than any of the previous generations. You know, even if we're careful about what we allow in our homes, even if we limit screen time, our kids are just living in this world and they're presented with more competing ideas in one year of their life than most humans throughout history have been confronted with their entire lives. So, you know, we're still, we need to ground them in the truth of God's word, you know, that they need to understand that it's true, that it's from God. And then we need to explain what, as you said, the why behind what we believe that it's not just, you know, like the Bible says that it's true. Therefore believe it that yes, if this is really from God and he's given it to us, then it is true. And we are to believe it, but actually taking a step back and looking at why is it that we can actually trust that the Bible is God's word. So actually giving them the why behind that, and then also preparing them to always be asking questions whenever they're confronted with an idea, just questions that they can, you know, implement in any situation. Like, what is this idea? Where does this idea come from? Is this idea true? How do I know whether or not it's true? So if we can just equip our kids with some of these skills that they can take with them, you know, whether we don't allow them to have any screen time now, you know, and eventually, you know, they're going to be confronted with screens, you know, when they have friends outside of the home or when they get a job, um, or whether we allow, you know, certain limited amounts of information and to still have them practice asking these questions. Okay. What is this message that I just received? Where did it come from? Is it true? How do I know whether or not it's true? So if we can just give our kids these skills, we can ground them in the word of God and prepare them for this cultural context in which God has allowed them to be placed. Absolutely. And so as you, as you teach these lessons, how do you feel that critical thinking plays a role in this? Mm -hmm. Yes. So critical thinking is really important and it's, it's sometimes it's downplayed in the Christian community. And we need to be really careful just because research has shown, you know, research that's been done over the past decade has shown that one of the reasons, the top reasons that kids who were raised in Christian homes give as the reason why they're choosing not to live as Christians in as adults is saying that they felt like Christianity, that it was shallow, that it was 
anti-science that, you know, like there wasn't any room for doubts or questions. So it's showing just this need, as you said, you know, as you identified Jamie, that, that we're naturally curious, you know, any homeschooling mom knows this, you know, that preschoolers are curious. They want to know, and they want to grow and they want to learn. And so to help our kids understand that Christianity is not a blind faith. So just thinking about, I'm sure some of your listeners are even going to be having kids as young as preschool. So just thinking about, you know, really young kids, like when we're talking about like maybe like three through seven, I like to start to get three through seven-year-olds thinking about whether something is true, not true, or if it's just a feeling that's going to be different from person to person. So what I like to do is just play a game with, you know, like three to seven-year-olds and say, okay, I'm going to tell you a sentence. And this sentence I tell you might be true. It might be what is real. And if it's true, what I want you to do is I want you to throw your arms up and yell truth as loud as you can. And if the sentence I tell you is not true, I want you to cross your arms like an X and say, not true, you know? And so then I'll give them like a sentence, like the sun usually shines during the day, you know, and they'll throw up their hands and yell true. And then just give them a silly sentence, something like puppies run on the ceiling, you know, something that's going to make them laugh. And then they'll say like, not true. And then after that, introduce them to, you know, sometimes we have feelings inside of us, something that we like, or something that we don't like. And that feeling is going to be different for me than it is for you. And so then talk about, you know, like ice cream is delicious. Some people think ice cream is delicious. A few people People do not think it is, you know, or like Mondays are the best day of the week. Some people think Mondays are the best. Some people don't talk about that's going to be different for different people, but then say, Hmm, well, what about the sun usually shining during the day? Can that be true for some people and not true for others? No, because that's a truth. It's not a feeling. So then we'll play a game where I teach, where I'll give them a sentence and they have to identify, is it something that's a truth? Or is it something that's a feeling? So even with little guys, you know, we can just get them critically thinking from a young age by getting their bodies involved, by turning it into a game and by saying, okay, let's identify when is something that someone says true. Okay. Let's recognize that. When do we recognize when someone says something and we're saying, oh, that's not true. And then when is something just a feeling now it might seem really silly to do that. It might seem really silly to just say like, Oh, that's just a feeling. But when, what we're doing is I kind of describe it for anyone who's seen, um, not, I'm not recommending this movie because there's some language in it, but the movie, the karate kid, <laughs> And when Daniel, you know, is waxing Mr. Miyagi's car and he gets so upset and he's like, why am I waxing this car? And all of a sudden, Mr. Miyagi starts to fight him and he realizes, oh my goodness, I know karate. Well, it might seem really silly to have our little kids, you know, do like truth and feeling. Well, then when they're confronted with an idea, like somebody's a boy, but they think that they're a girl and say, I'm actually really a girl but I'm in a boy's body to say, okay, if somebody thinks if somebody has a boy's body, what is the truth about their body? That they're a boy. If they think that they're a girl, if they say they feel like a girl, what is that? Oh, well, that's a feeling. There's a difference between truth and feelings. And so if we can train them from a young age to recognize the difference, we're giving them these skills that are going to then be implemented in any and all aspects of life. So that's what I recommend for young kids, for older kids. You know, you're not going to have older kids hug themselves. They're going to be like, are you kidding me? (laughs) So just give them, just play a game um, and talk about the difference between truths and feelings for older kids. You can bake cookies together and say, okay, I want you to come up with a list of what are some truths about these cookies that are going to be true for everyone. You know, the, the ingredients in the cookies, where the cookies 
were made, you know, what type of cookies there are, whether they're chocolate chip cookies or sugar cookies, those are truths. Or, you know, if you look at a chocolate chip cookie and say, it's a sugar cookie, that's false. (laughs) And then say, okay, what are some preferences or feelings about these cookies that are going to change from person to person? You know, someone might walk in and say, those cookies are too small. You know, that's a personal preference. I don't like chocolate. So I'm going to walk in and look at chocolate chip cookies and go, ew, gross. You know, most people aren't going to feel that way. So with older kids, we can just, you know, do a different activity, but if we can start to get them thinking about the difference between truths, not truths and feelings, we're preparing them, you know, just with the basic skills they need to carefully evaluate the ideas that come their way. I love the practicalness of that, you know, because so, so many times we kind of in our minds think, oh my word, critical thinking difficult for me as a homeschool mom to teach my child, you know, do I need a whole whole course on that? (laughs) Maybe I should buy a curriculum. Oh my goodness. Get overwhelmed. And we think how, Mm. how can I make this a actual part of our homeschool day, our parenting, but I love how you, it can be a part of everyday things, even like you said, making Mm. truth in that. And I love how you bring out the critical thinking to build those skills. Ecclesiastes came to mind and how Solomon Mm. mentioned and talked about how he applied his heart to know, to search, to seek out wisdom and the reason of things. This really hits that. Yeah. And it's amazing to see how much kids can, you know, just really really enjoy it and take, you know, just take the bull by the horns. Like I have a friend that started doing that, you know, truth or feelings with her sons who are four and five. And it's fun. Like they think it's a game, (laughs) you know, they don't even realize that they're learning these skills. Like sometimes when they're in the car, they want to play that. I'm thinking of an animal game. And other times they're like, let's play the truth and feelings game. And so it can just be something that they've really learned to love, which is what, you know, philosophy is the love of wisdom, you know, and if Jesus is wisdom, you know, like what better, you know, to have our children understand. So if we can train them to really love wisdom at an early age, we're setting them on a really good trajectory. Absolutely. If we do it, like you've said, starting very young, it's just not to them. Absolutely. I love yes. it. I noticed, um, on your website that you mention um, some, some instruction on comparative study. Can you talk mm. that as well? Yes. So, um, so the way I actually got into this career even was I was teaching at a Christian school and, you know, most of the students at my school came from great Christian homes where their parents were really intentional about discipleship. I was giving them a biblically based education all day long. They were involved in church and I just saw them rapidly absorbing ideas from the culture. And so I started looking for, okay, what can I do to actually help them? Um, you know, understand that, that ideas that are not true are coming their way every day. And everything that I found Um, you know, there were some things that did a good job of instructing in a biblical worldview, which is so necessary, but I was looking for something that would actually instruct them in like, okay, this is what the Bible teaches. What do other worldviews teach? And then so that they could evaluate it, not so it could just be a free for all and be like, well, hope you enjoy whatever worldview you develop, but so that they were seeing that when we actually critically evaluate the evidence, Christianity consistently rises to the top. So I really encourage parents, um, just from a young age, usually starting around the age of eight, because just developmentally, we know with our little ones, they, they really cannot see outside of themselves, you know, (laughs) like all they can see is what they want and what they need. And developmentally, you know, I mean, part of that's sin. And then part of it's just developmentally, you know, they can't consider perspectives outside of their own yet, but usually around that eight or nine range, kids are suddenly able to start considering how somebody else 
might view something and they can view a perspective outside of their own. So what I really encourage parents to do is to start intentionally, you know, continue intentionally instructing children in scripture and looking at how does scripture speak to big questions? Like how does scripture speak to the question of who God is, or how does it speak to the question of how did life begin? Or what does it mean to be human? Or how can I tell right from wrong? You know, what does scripture say about these things? And then directly exposing our kids to what other worldviews teach about that as well, so that they are then prepared to recognize that when they're confronted with that, whether it's in a conversation, in a book, in a movie. So actually looking at, okay, this is what the Bible says about humans. The Bible says that every single human is an image bearer of the Holy God. The Bible says that God specifically created humans as male and female, but that's a good design. The Bible also says that we are fallen and it says that Jesus came to redeem us, you know, so looking at the biblical view of humans and then looking at, okay, so someone who looks at the world from a naturalistic perspective, someone who thinks that there is no God, you know, that we got here accidentally by blind, unguided evolution. Well, what is their view of humans? Well, that view of humans is, you know what? We got here accidentally. We're the accidental products of time and chance. And that means that we don't have any inherent value. That means we don't have any value that just, you know, is there from when we're born. We have to then make value for ourselves, you know? And so then why does it really matter whether a male or female, if I got here accidentally, you know, it doesn't really matter that much. And so then looking at what other worldviews teach. So then our children can look at, okay, let's look at what do we really find? Well, we kind of all inherently know that humans are valuable. We know that we have value and even somebody who, you know, claims that we don't lives that way. You know, when somebody like, you know, gets into a car, you know, bumps their car or takes their things like they automatically know, Hey, what you did to me was wrong. Why? Because I have value and you have value. And so we all live that way, but then also so that kids can recognize that as they're studying things. The first time that I taught this to students who, um, were at the school where I was teaching, I taught you know, comparative worldviews to third through fifth graders. And I was just teaching them the basics and teachers from, I was teachers from other classrooms started coming down to me saying, how are you getting these kids to think so deeply about everything? Like one, one fourth grade teacher came down to me and she was like, um, did you talk about Hitler in your worldview class? I was like, uh, no, we did not cover Hitler in worldview class. Why? And she was telling me that they were covering a novel in fourth grade that year that took place in Germany in the 1930s and forties. And they were talking, you know, about Hitler's hatred for the Jews and his final solution. And two boys who had taken the worldview class with me chimed in and said, you know what? I wonder if it's not so much that Hitler hated Jewish people, but I wonder if it goes back to his view of a human because his view of a human is going to then impact how he treats humans. And the teacher said, she kind of like paused for a second. It was like, you're actually right. I haven't thought about that before, but it was so exciting to see, you know, how, when they were just trained to recognize, okay, what is this question? You know, what does it mean to be human? How does the Bible answer this question? How do other worldviews answer this? They were then able to read that novel and recognize, Hey, what was going on had something deeper than just hate. It actually went down to what is a human? What does it mean to be human? And so when we equip our kids in this way to recognize what the biblical worldview teaches and what other worldviews teach, we're doing two things. First, we're equipping them to understand that Christianity is true. 
to understand that it's true. Now, not all of our kids, not every, you know, not every child of a parent who's listening to this interview is going to choose to turn from their sin and trust in Jesus. You know, that's a decision that that child has to make. But if our children choose not to trust in Jesus, we want to make sure that it's not because they're not convinced it's true. (laughs) You know, there might be hardness of heart. There might be other things, but we want to make sure we have done everything in our power to help the kids in our care, understand that God is real. The Bible presents truth. And that is the best way to live our lives is to surrender to Jesus. So that's the first thing we're doing. We're equipping them to understand that Christianity is true. And the second thing that we're doing is we're then preparing them for any idea that's going to come their way, because we can't possibly, you know, we don't know what work situation our children are going to be in. You know, we don't know every situation that's going to come up in their future marriages or in their neighborhood. We don't know, you know, you know, right now, TikTok's popular. We have no idea what's going to be popular in 20 years, you know, but if we can give them the skills to evaluate the ideas that come their way, we're setting them up for success, no matter what is coming down the pipeline. So that's one reason I'm very passionate about teaching kids comparative worldviews. <laughs> right. And uh, perfect. I love that answer. So tell us now about your website, Foundations Worldview, and what you have there and how it ties into everything that we've talked about though, thus far. Yes. Yes. So our website, foundationworldview.com. So we actually provide curriculum for homeschooling families and even for families that are just interested in family discipleship, um, that, that goes through comparative worldviews. It goes through critical thinking, goes through actually, how do you study the Bible goes through even for little ones, just basic worldviews, you know, just what I gave you the example of, you know, the true and not true and feeling. Um, so we go through all of those things and our goal really, um, really is just to help support families exactly where they're at. As you mentioned before, you know, families are busy, especially homeschooling families. You know, there's so much that homeschooling families have on their plate. And so our goal is not to just add another thing, (laughs) you know, to a homeschool family's day. So the way we design our curriculum is that if you do it once a week for 45 minutes to an hour, you can get through it in 30 weeks, which, you know, I mean, every homeschool family does it differently. Some homeschool families homeschool throughout the entire year. Some follow the school year calendar, you know, some do other things, but a traditional school year is 40 weeks long. So we try to make it really manageable once a week for maximum an hour for 30 weeks. And then we say that this is supplemental, that this is setting the stage for all of the rest of the academic subjects that you're going to cover, you know, so that students know how to think well and think critically through those subjects. So we have those curriculum available and it's all video-based just because as a teacher, (laughs) I knew that anytime I was asked to teach something that I didn't have formal training in, I was really uncomfortable in it. Now for most you know, homeschooling moms and dads, they might not have formal training in teaching these subjects, but they've gone through fourth grade math, you know, they've gone through fourth grade history, you know, like, so you can just kind of learn up on what you're doing and go for it. Where a lot of times we adults haven't been trained in critical thinking. We haven't been trained in, you know, like comparative worldviews. And so it can seem really scary to teach that. So we have videos where we do all of the teaching for you. It still does require your involvement, you know, just because we don't want it to just be a press play and walk away. We want the whole family involved, but we do the teaching for you. We also have lots of free resources on our website as well. Twice a month, we lead webinars just on different topics. Like how do we get our kids to think carefully about the language 
that people are using. You know, when somebody uses the term love, it might mean something very different, you know, than how the Bible uses it. How do we do that? We also have a book club um, where once a month we'll send out three titles, um, a title for parents, a title for older kids and a title for younger kids. And then just with some worldview questions attached, you know, so you can choose to use that book in your homeschool that month and then dive deep into the worldview questions so that you're really, you know, making the most out of that. So our goal is really just to equip parents to get their kids thinking critically and to understand the truth of the Christian worldview. And so your book club and the other, the, both of those are free. So our book club and our webinars and all of the blogs that we have online, those are all free. And then for, and then, um, our curriculums, you do pay for those. Um, and you have, as a family, you have lifetime access to them. So if you're thinking like, oh, well, you know what I have, I have a fourth grader right now, but then I have a five-year-old and a four-year-old, like, what am I going to do? You can go through it with the fourth grader, you know, and then when your four-year-old and five-year-old are old enough, go through it again with them. <laughs> Wonderful. I love that uh, because, you know, so many of us tend to have them spaced out or maybe we have a big fan yes. and, and that works great. Um, so one other thing I wanted to ask about, I noticed that your website had a free sample lesson. Um, is that something that any homeschooler can just grab? Yes, absolutely. You can go on the website and then we just have a, a little button you can click that says get a free sample and you'll get a sample of all of the different, um, the first lesson from all of our different curriculums. So you can use them. You can kind of get a taste for what does it look like to use this curriculum? You know, is this a good fit for my kids right now? Um, yeah, we just like to, to help you out. And even if you're not interested in using our entire curriculums, you're more than welcome to go on and just get that sample lesson and just start building the foundation for truth in the lives of your kids. Great. I'll make sure I put a link to that in the show notes that I Great. after we finish our interview. Before we close, Elizabeth, is there anything that you'd like to share with our listeners about encouraging and teaching their children in this area? Yes. Well, first of all, just for those of you who are listening and, you know, it's, it's very obvious from the fact that you're listening to this recording that you really care about your children and about how you are raising them. So I just want to encourage you, you know, for, for taking the step to homeschool your children, that that is not, that's not an easy step. It's a huge sacrifice, especially in a culture that just views children kind of, um, almost as a commodity, you know, like, well, when we want children, we'll have them. And you know what, when they kind of get to an annoying age, we're going to shuffle them off here and there. So just the fact that you are choosing to sacrifice for your children and sacrifice to grow them up, you know, like in the fear and instruction of the Lord that I just want to encourage you and to remind you that on the days when it just seems overwhelming, just, just what, what it, what a pleasing thing that is to God, that you're being obedient, you know, to really be intentional in the way that you are raising your children. So I want to leave you with that encouragement and also just to remind you not to do it alone, <laughs> you know, because it can be, especially, you know, in this culture of Western individual individualism, a lot of times it can feel very isolating and it can also feel like, you know, does anybody else go through these struggles? You know, is anybody else, <laughs> anybody else walking through this? So just really encourage you, you know, to keep, to keep listening to, to recordings like this, to remind you that you're not alone to get involved, you know, in your local church community with other families that are homeschooling, um, to find support, because I just know from, you know, just interacting with so many homeschool parents that it can be overwhelming and it can be isolating, but just to encourage you to continue on in this journey, um, to continue being intentional and to continue seeking to honor God in the discipleship of your children. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us, Elizabeth. 
Uh, we really appreciate the work that you're doing to help our children and the homeschool community to be able to develop a strong foundation. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. And to our listeners, we want to thank you for joining us today. We'd love to hear your comments and questions about this topic. So please share those. Please share this podcast and video. And until next time, here's to homeschooling with you.